Let's go to God in prayer. Our most kind and most loving Heavenly Father, we come to You now, Lord, loving You and thanking You so much for Your love for us. Dear Lord, there are those in this audience to, who, who need to put Your Son on in, in baptism today, Lord, and we hope that those who have been thinking about it, those who have been studying about it, those who, who want to will, will, will not wait today. They'll, they'll want to be baptized and do so today with a, without waiting. We hope, Lord, that those who hear God's Word today, hear Your Word today, that they'll, their hearts may be pricked, their, their minds may be opened, that they'll, they'll want to know more, and uh, they'll ask for study, and they'll, they'll, they'll come back and, and want to study more. Uh, it's Your Gospel, Lord, that's the power to save us all. And we thank You so much for the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we look forward to the day uh, when He comes back. Farther along, we'll know, Lord. We know it. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. Forrest Gump's mama compared life to a box of chocolates because you never know what you're going to get. We use metaphors and analogies all the time. We compare and we contrast things that are alike and we use them for symbols of love and life and, and family. Many things. We've all heard blood is thicker than water, right? We've all heard uh, love is a battlefield, right? These things are compared to, to, to common things so we can understand them better. So when we turn to the Old Testament book of Judges and read a preparation for war, I want you to ask this morning, how can we use this example of Gideon and the children of Israel in their preparation for war, how can we use this example to the Christian today? What does it mean to the Christian today? Approximately 800 years before the brave Spartan 300 were slaughtered by the Persian hordes at Thermopylae, another 300 faced similar odds and didn't die. They were the children of Israel, and they were the, under the command of Gideon. And in today's chapter, we're, they're readying for the attack against the Midians, we are in Judges chapter 7, so let's pick up the story in Judges chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, arose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moriah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them there for I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, 
you shall sit apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and they sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. God wanted the children of Israel to build trust in him. He didn't want the children of Israel to have the idea that they pushed back all those Midianites by themselves. They wanted, he wanted them to know that it was by his hand that this was done. They wanted, he wanted them to know that they needed his help. And so God whittles the army down. First, if you're scared, God says, go home. If you're scared, go home. There's a precedent for this in the law of Moses. If you have your hand out, I didn't get to make as many as I thought I needed, but if you have your hand out, you can look at Deuteronomy chapter 20 in your handout. Uh, it's a precedent uh, concerning going to war. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful and fainthearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. In other words, if these guys were so scared, they were going to make everybody else scared. So y'all just need to go home. Gideon starts out with 32,000 men. According to Judges chapter 8, verse 10, they may have faced 135,000. 32,000 versus 135,000. Those aren't good odds, are they? 22,000 of these 32,000 Leave because they're afraid. <laughs> alt from alt leaves alt. That leaves 10,000, doesn't it? 10,000 people. 10,000 soldiers. And God says this is still too many. And the remaining 10,000 are told to get a drink of water from a body of water. Now, if you got on your knees and drank, you were out. If you got on your knees and you, and you, and you just... Sucked from the water with your mouth, you were out. Many scholars say the reason these were cut was because they had to lay down their weapons. They had to take their eye off the horizon. They didn't know if they wouldn't have known if anybody was sneaking up on them because they had their their face and their mouth to the water. They wouldn't have been ready for a surprise attack. And I think that's the key point. They weren't ready if something happened. God only kept the 300 who drank by putting their hands to their mouth. You know, I've always wondered, would I have been chosen? Would I have been part of the 300? Would you have been part of the 300? 300 versus 135,000. The odds are getting worse, aren't they? And in the cover of darkness, at the change of the guard, not with swords, not with spears, if you, if you keep on reading on in Judges chapter 7, not with, not with guns or bombs or planes, at, at the change of the guard, with pitchers, torches, and trumpets, the children of Israel, with God's help, routed the vast Midianite army and virtually destroyed them. They won a battle, I want you to understand this, 
They won a battle. If you don't get anything else from this lesson, I want you to get this. They won a battle that was already won. They won a battle that was already won. Why? Because God had already won it. They were on God's side. Gideon and the children of Israel were on God's side, and the impossible became possible, and victory was assured. Now, I have, a, I have a mission for you. I have a mission for you. The mission for all of us, those of us that are chosen in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. If you're in Christ Jesus, I'm talking, I'm talking to the Christians today. Gideon and his army are a great story for us as Christians today. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, let me borrow a phrase. It was given by Jesus. It was given by God and it's commanded by Jesus. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, if you're scared about this mission, if you're scared about this mission, or if you're not ready, or if you're not ready, I want you to take this personal, for your eyes only, personal evangelism survey. I gave these out on the back of the, of the, of the Scriptures here. This comes from the, from the Forest Park congregation. I've got their picture on the screen there in color. You can see their picture on the bottom of your handout there. Forest Park Church of Christ in Valdosta, Georgia. They have a, they have a congregation-wide... Bible study, all right? And this is Lesson 26 in their Bible study, okay? This is Lesson 26. This comes from Lesson 26, and the entitled lesson is Go Ye, all right? And they all take this survey. So this is where this comes from. And I want us just to quickly take this little personal evangelism survey. This is a for-your-eyes-only survey now, Okay? And if you didn't get a handout, I want you to think about the questions and answer them in your mind. Alright? If you're scared about the mission, if you're not ready for the mission of going into all the world and and helping share the gospel with everybody, take this survey. You ready? How many people in this congregation did I help lead to Christ? Just look around you. How many people in this congregation... Have I ever helped lead to Christ? Number two, how many people do I now have my heart set on to win to Christ? Now think about that. How many people do you right now have your heart set on to win to Christ? Number three, to what extent have I gone to try to win these people to Christ? What extent have you done that? All right? Number four, approximately how many hours or minutes per week do I average talking to people about the Lord? Is it an hour? Thirty minutes? Five minutes? You just do we count Matt, do we count posts on Facebook? Do we get to count those? Yeah, we'll count those. It takes a minute to type that to text that in, doesn't it? So we'll count that too. So how many hours or minutes per week do I average talking to people about the Lord? Number five, did I try last week to teach a lost soul? 
Did I try last week to teach a lost soul? Number, number six, will I try this week? Will I try this week? Has Forest Park shamed us into trying this week? Maybe they have. I don't know. Number seven, how many times have I felt it was not my place to help convert lost souls? In other words, how many times have I tried to shift responsibility? Number eight, how often do I pray for certain individuals to obey the Lord or be restored to faithful Christian duty? How, many, how often do I pray for folks like that? Hmm? Answer yourself. Number nine, do I ever pray fervently that I might become a better soul winner? Have you ever wanted to be a soul winner? Have you ever wanted to be a better soul winner? Have you ever prayed about it? Number 10, do I sincerely try? Now, you can pray about it all you want to, but number 10, do I sincerely try to help that prayer be answered? Do I get into the booklets? Do I, do I get into the studies? Do I go online? Do I, do, do I actually get my feet wet and try to help somebody know the gospel? Number 11, am I generally embarrassed to converse with people about Jesus? Is that you? Are you that guy? Are you that girl? I'm... I just don't like talking about Jesus. I'm embarrassed to do it. Kenny Hutchins. Kenny's not here today, is he? Kenny had a great lesson last week. And one of the points in his lesson was when he and his wife were were trying to, to build their lives back and they haven't gotten back to God yet, people would ask them about their opinion on, on Jesus Christ and they would change the subject because he said they were embarrassed. They were embarrassed. So it's not uncommon. Number 12, do I know enough Scripture to help someone become a Christian? Think about how long you've been a Christian, and do you know enough Scripture to help somebody else become a Christian? Number 13, do I honestly feel that I'm my brother's keeper and that his salvation may depend largely on me? Have I offered the excuse, I don't know how, for not doing personal work? Have you ever offered that excuse before? Number 15, do I think I can ever really learn how until I try? Number 16, when do I plan to begin? Number 17, has it ever occurred to me that many may die and go to God unprepared while I'm wasting time thinking about how I don't know how? Number 18, do I feel a person has to be paid to do this kind of work? Number 19, and am I interested enough in heaven and does it mean enough to me that I earnestly desire others to go with me and number 20, does a checkup like this help me to do better? Take a deep breath. That's a hard checkup. That's a hard checkup. And every one of us in here had to do that if we're a Christian. If you're scared, go home and pray. Go home and pray and ask God for the courage and the faith that you need to do the job that needs to be done. If you're not ready, go home and study and pray and get ready. I'll help you get ready. If you need help getting ready to, to go out and, and share the gospel with folks, I would love to help you do that. I have great Bible studies to do just that. 
But there are others in this congregation that would, that would love to get with you as well. If it gets too much for me, I've got guys out here and girls out here that can, that can help us in these Bible studies. And, and they can. If you just don't feel prepared, but you want to, you don't have to feel that way. I promise you. Go home and pray about it. But if you're ready, if you're ready, if you're one of the 300, if you want to be a part of that, you're ready. Come on. Come on. Let's get busy. Let's get busy. But know this. Understand this. If you're ready for the mission, understand this. We are outnumbered. It's us against the world. Yet our leader insists, John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. If you're ready to fight, know this. We're fighting without traditional weapons. We don't use the usual weapons. Look at it, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. For the spiritual battle... Traditional weapons must be thought of differently. Look at Ephesians. I've got it in your handout. You can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 10. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Looking at the, the full armor of God here is what we're looking at. We are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. It's only in the Lord that we can do this. And we've got to understand how to get it in the Lord. And if you don't understand how to get into the Lord so that you can be a warrior for God, if you're not ready because you're not in the Lord, I can t- let's talk later. I can tell you how to get into the Lord. All right? We are to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's who our fight is against. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. You thought the Midianites, 135 Midianites were tough? We got a tougher opponent here. If you're in, if you're with us, if you're ready for this mission, our opponent is tough. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Gird your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Shoe your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith which you will be able to, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God praying always. That's our, that's our, that's our weapons. That's our armor. That's what we use. In this fight, we don't use the usual weapons. We don't use traditional weapons. But our weapons are mighty. And we can win this fight with the weapons we've been given. So we're outnumbered. Our weapons aren't usual. And with these weapons, we will fight and we'll win. But if you're ready for the mission, I want you to know this. We're going to fight in the dark. We're going to fight in the dark. But Christians, I want you to understand, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. And just as Jesus was the light, 
we're the light. John chapter 1 verse 5, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You know, when Jesus was here, they didn't understand the light then, they didn't comprehend the light then, and they don't comprehend the light now. The light is so bright in their lives that it's hard to see. And when we, as warriors of God, come into the darkness and we bring that light, it's powerful. And they're confused. 1 Peter 2.9, But you, Christian warrior of the kingdom, who will rise and say, The sword of the Lord, you, Christian warrior, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Where you are now, where you are now, Christian, in the victory we will share with Jesus, these were prophesied by Isaiah. These were prophesied by Isaiah. And he uses our story in Judges chapter 7 to put an exclamation point on this prophecy. Notice with me in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Notice, for you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulders, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Sing it with me if you know it. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's talking about the church. He's talking about you. He's talking about our Savior, Jesus Christ, who's going to lead us forth to victory. We're outnumbered. We don't have the usual weapons. We're going to fight in the dark, but guess what? We're going to win. We're going to win. We're fighting a war that's already won. Just like Gideon did. Just like the children of Israel did. And the 300 did. We're fighting a war that's already won. So those of us who are ready, Judges chapter 7, verse 15, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. In World War II, we beat Germany. But there was still more fighting to be done. And posters like this, they helped keep up morale. We are small. Fountainhead. But in the Lord we are mighty. And we are not alone in the fight. We are fighting a winning battle that's already won. If we're on God's side. The impossible is possible and the, and the victory is, is assured. There's victory in Jesus if we're on God's side. But we've got to choose a side. Are you ready? Let's help finish the fight. Let's help finish the fight. Salvation is not a box of chocolates. You know exactly what you're going to get. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Mark chapter 16, verse 16. 
If you want salvation, come right now. As together we stand and sing.